series is about who we are and not just who we are as a church or as an organization. In fact, by the look of the, the image up there, you'll see that our church, our group here is about the people. It's about you and it's about me. It's about these gatherings of people and who we are. We're not looking to define our building. We're not looking to define our organization. We're not going to define our movement. We're defining who we are, who you are, and I am when we come together here and we call ourselves Davison Free Methodist Nation. Who are we? And last week we talked about one of the things that define who we are is this concept that everyone's welcome. And you can get online and hear that message. Pastor Glenn did a great job last week. Make sure you catch up on that if you missed it and hear about everyone is welcome here. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, nobody's perfect. Isn't that a great? Who here is perfect? That's what I thought. Notice I raised my hand. Just kidding. In case the lightning bolt strikes, I'll move out of the way. And then next week, uh, Pastor Glenn's going to share uh, about how anything can happen. Now, before we get into the message, I want to share one thing. Since we're talking about nobody's perfect, can I share about something that I just did wrong? And show you that I'm not perfect? So uh, this Saturday, we're going to have a, uh, can we put that slide up? The Serve Our City Mini, okay? Now, here's what I did wrong. I called it a mini. And I'm guessing, how many people have signed up for this? Don't raise your hand because I know the answer to that. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I called it a mini, and maybe you guys thought, if it's a mini, I'm not needed because it's mini and I'm large. I don't know, but, but we really could use your help. So this is my fault, my marketing flaw to call this a mini, but we would love to have you come out and help us. Even if it's for an hour or, or a couple hours or for all three hours, that would be great. It's Saturday from nine to noon. All you got to do is lug a rake, uh, spread some mulch, um, pull up some weeds, or just be there to encourage everyone else who's doing that. Come encourage me to do that, okay? So we'd love to have you. You, you can sign up online. You can sign up here. You can go out there and write your name on that, and we'll send you an email this week with all the information. If you don't have email, we'll call you this week with all the information you need. But even if it's just for an hour or so, come and be a part of this. Here's the cool thing about this, all right? I just made this up. This is kind of awesome, all right? This is, this is what pastors do. We, 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 we make things up. And so um, everyone's welcome at this event. Nobody's perfect at this event and anything could happen. Boom! Look at that. Wow. Sermon done. Pow. All right. Now, we'd love to have you guys. All, all, all joking aside, seriously, please consider that. Pray about being that. We'd love to have you be a part of that, even if it's for a little bit um, next week. So, we're talking about these three things, these three concepts, and if you look carefully, this isn't just three things that we came up with. In fact, we, we kind of borrowed them from other churches that have kind of embraced these same phrases. But, the, but the, the key about the phrases is not that they're, they're fun or they're cool or they're memorable. The, the, the thing about these three phrases is this represents Jesus' ministry. So if you know anything about our church, anything about when we get together, Jesus is a big deal. In fact, he's the biggest deal. And if you could go to church anywhere you want, but if you can't find Jesus there, I would say find another church. Because Jesus makes all the difference in our world, and we believe that. And when we look at Jesus' life, especially in the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you read about these stories of Jesus. And as you read through that, you will learn three things, three concepts that are completely true and just jump off the pages of those four books about the life of Jesus. And they are this, everyone's welcome when it comes to Jesus. Prostitutes? Tax collectors, those who actually steal from their own people, those are tax collectors. Think of Mary Magdalene. 
her questionable past. Think about the woman caught in adultery, her questionable decisions. And what was Jesus' response to those? Come on, join me. Again, last week, Pastor Glenn shared awesomely about this, about the life of a famous tax collector turned rogue for Jesus, turned his whole world upside down following Jesus, and then invited all his, crumb, his, his crummy tax collector friends to meet Jesus. Why? Because everyone is welcome with Jesus. Nobody's perfect. We'll hear about that today. And if you know anything about Jesus' life, anything could happen. Anything could happen. Wouldn't it be great to see 5,000 hungry people fed? Wouldn't it be great to see the blind man see and the lame man walk? Or as my dad used to say it, the blind man walk and the lame man see. Anything can happen when it comes to Jesus. But we talk about nobody's perfect. I want to share, uh, I, I don't want to do the, the talking today. I'm going to let the scripture talk for us. And so if you want to, you can open up the Bibles that you have there with you. You can open up the Bible app, John chapter 4, or you can just read what's going to come up here on the screen. This is a story that maybe you know. This is a story about Jesus, and it's early in his ministry, and he's traveling. Who has been recently on a road trip? Okay, so you can kind of get an idea of what Jesus is going through. And he's going from, from southern Palestine, southern Israel, to northern Israel, where his home base is, where his ministry base is, where he lives at the time. So he, he leaves from Jerusalem all the way up to Galilee. And this is what it says. So he left Judea, where Jerusalem is, and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Now, stop, stop, stop right here, because this verse speaks so much, sets the tone about everything we're going to experience over the next few verses. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Now, who here has ever made the long, grueling trip from Davison, Michigan, to Cincinnati, Ohio? <laughs> Anyone here from Cincinnati, Ohio? Oh, good, because I don't know why anyone would come from Cincinnati, but anyway, no. <laughs> I had to preface that just to make sure. If you're watching online and you're from Cincinnati, I'm sorry, I apologize to you. It's a beautiful city. Go Bengals. All right, so Jesus is going from Davison to Cincinnati, okay? He's traveling all along there. But this is the way that usually Jews go. When they go to Cincinnati, they go through Grand Rapids. They go through Fort Wayne. They go through Indianapolis, now, who here, I know some of you guys are like, that sounds like fun. <laughs> some of you guys are directionally child. Open up your phone, Google Maps, okay? And choose which way is the quickest way to get from here to Cincinnati. It doesn't go near Grand Rapids, doesn't go near Fort Wayne, and doesn't go near Indianapolis, right? It goes right down 23 till you hit 75 until you hit Cincinnati, right? Until you hit road construction, and then you're diverted out another way. So we as Michiganders know what Jesus is going through because we're always diverting our path because of road construction. Jesus is diverting his path for another reason. This time, for some strange way, he had to go through Samaria. He had to go the direct route through Samaria. Now, before you say, okay, that sounds strange, just geographically why they would do this, but makes sense, it's shorter. Sounds like you can get there faster, you know? Sounds like Jesus had some good GPS, right? No, no, but here's the thing about Samaria. Samaria was the worst place on earth. And the Jews would say, the problem with Samaria is it's full of Samaritans. What makes it so strange in the gospel when you hear the word Samaritan and you read the parable, the parable of the what Samaritan? The, 
there was no such thing in the Jews' mind of a good Samaritan. The Samaritans were terrible. They were just, they were the, the worst kind. We don't associate with them, they don't associate with us. In fact, when we're traveling, we don't even go through their state because we're not going to give them any money. We're not going to stop along the way. We're not going to even associate with them at all because they're terrible, terrible people. This is like you driving down to Detroit, your car breaks down in downtown Dearborn, and you've got to walk into a cafe full of Muslims. Full women in their headdress and the women and the men all around there and everything like that, right? And you walk in there and say, hey, can you help me? Who here would be freaked out? Okay, who here's lying right now? <laughs> Nobody's perfect, right? All right, so we know this stress, okay? This is what the disciples are feeling, okay? This is not right to travel down this way. But here they go. He had to go to Samaria. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field of Jacob, near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Let's keep going. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Now, I looked up online. You can see the, the, the present town of Sychar. It's in present-day Palestine. It's on top of a hill, and there's a field that overlooks it well. And, and you can see from Sychar, you can see Jerusalem in the distance. You can see present-day Jordan in the Jordan Valley. You can see all of that right there. It's all right there, okay? So he's, he's up there. He's chilling out in this place. His disciples have gone and gotten food, okay? He's a little thirsty. He's a little tired. So he stops in Samaria. And guess what? Wouldn't you know, a Samaritan shows up. Scandalous story, guys. This is just crazy. Okay? Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. No, guys, this is just terrible that Jesus would do this. For one, he's in Samaria. Two, he's talking to a Samaritan. Three, he's talking to a Samaritan woman. <gasps> How terrible, right? In that culture, believe me, this was un... Just, just, I can't even speak about how terrible this is. How the rules he's breaking here. And let's also talk for a moment. There's a reason why she is coming to the well when? Noon, right? Okay, who here wakes up in the morning and gets thirsty? Who here doesn't? Okay, who, who here needs no water whatsoever ever in the morning? You guys, a little bit of interaction here, guys. Come on, help me through this. This is going to be a long time without your interaction. We all do, right? So the women wake up in the morning and they go to the well. Okay, that's the custom. They all go to the well and they fill up their, their water for the day and they bring it back to their home. But there's a reason why she comes at noon with no one else around except this strange man who happened to be there. Why is that? Well, we learn a little bit why that is in just a moment, but you probably can guess. She doesn't want to see anyone. She wants to be alone. She's going at the time that she can predict that no one else will be there. But all in a hold, this doesn't happen on this day. Every other day, Monday she goes, no problem. Tuesday she goes, no problem. Thursday she goes, no problem. Friday she shows up and there's a man there. 
and the man s- speaks to her. I'm sure she went up and she saw the man, and she's like, okay, I'm going to put the blinders on. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just like going through, through, through downtown Flint. You know, you don't make eye contact with anyone. You lock the doors. I'm going to get through this, right? That's what she does, right? I'm not going to talk to anyone. Am I, am I pushing on any nerves yet? Nobody's perfect, guys. Nobody's perfect, okay? So she drives through, and, and uh, she, she walks up there, but then Jesus interacts with her. Says, hey, what's going on? Can you get me a drink? This is how she responds. He was alone at the time because disciples had gone into the village to buy food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. Let's keep going. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Seems like a simple question. She's talking about this cultural divide. She's talking about these expectations that they've grown up with and Jesus understands fully. And she said, you're breaking the rules here. Why are you doing this? Why are you breaking the rules? And Jesus replies in a different kind of way. Don't you ever meet someone and have a conversation like that? You ask them a simple question and they don't give you a simple answer? All right, this is Jesus. He's responding to something deeper. He's, he's, he's moving the conversation down along the way. You'll find out in this conversation, she wants to move it back to a safe place and he keeps taking it to a different level. This is the first time he does this. He says, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to at this moment, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't even have a rope or a bucket and this well is very deep. Where are you going to get this living water? Living water sounds good but you ain't getting anything out of the water because you can't even get water. And besides, again, changes the subject here, moves it along a different way. And besides, which thinks you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? Keep going. How can you offer better water than his sons and his animals enjoyed? This is the best water around. This is the Samaritan well. It comes from, comes from Jacob. This is Jacob's well. And what do you mean, you're going to give me better water than this? Jesus, again, moves it to a different level. Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give you will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Well, she's got, Jesus has got her now. Jesus has roped her in, and she's changed her mind. Please, sir, the woman said, give me the water, exclamation point. Then I will never be thirsty again, and here's here's where she takes it to, and I won't ever have to come here to get water. She was just talking about how great this well was just a minute ago. Just a second ago, she was saying this is the best well around. Everyone can do it. You can't get better water than what's from this well, but now she doesn't want to come here anymore? There's something else going on here, right? There's something else true here. And she says, sounds great, sounds awesome. Fill my cup with water. I would love it. Now let's just stop for a moment before we get into the rest of the story and, and, and know this fact that wherever you're at, Jesus says, you know what? Perfection isn't required to come to me. You realize that. This is a Samaritan. This is a Samaritan woman. This is a Samaritan woman that we'll find out has serious problems and has made tons and tons of mistakes. And he says, let's talk. Come here. 
Let's interact. In fact, you're going to fill out your little, uh, your little program on there. The first slide you can fill out is that nobody is perfect. Nobody is perfect. And some of you really need to hear that today, that no matter where you're at, nobody is perfect. Isn't that a great, um, great sense of what we are? No matter where we are in our life, nobody is perfect and are welcome here. Pastor Glenn did a great message last week. You've got to go listen to that if you haven't already about being welcomed here. I don't care if you've been divorced. I don't care if you smoke. I don't care if you drink. I don't care if you uh, are on the sex offender list. I don't care where you are or what you've done. You've been in jail. You are welcome here because you are welcome with Jesus. That's what he's saying by accepting the worst of the worst in this woman. But isn't it amazing? When, he, when we come to Jesus, even though we're imperfect, he doesn't leave us there. He doesn't leave us imperfect. He doesn't leave us broken. In fact, let's go back to the story. She says, sounds great, give me this water so I don't ever have to come back to this despicable well and, and embarrass myself and, and try to keep myself safe from seeing everyone and deal with all the shit. Sounds great, I, give me this water then. <laughs> and Jesus, again, takes it another level. Now, now, let's just stop here for a moment. And Some of you have already felt this today. He's about to take this to a completely unexplainable personal level. And when you come to Jesus, when you start to interact with Jesus, you get a sense of exhilaration. You get a sense of, 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 of awesome grace that he forgives you and accepts you no matter what. But then all of a sudden, Jesus takes it to a really personal level. And if you're unwilling to go to that personal level with Jesus, then there will always be a distance between you and him. This is what he says. Go and get your husband a simple question, right? Simple statement. Jesus told her, she responds, I don't have a husband. Right, Jesus said, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and the dude you're married to right now, you're not even married to the dude that you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth that you don't have a husband. Come on, Jesus, that's mean. <laughs> You just met this girl. That's terrible. What is Jesus doing? Well, just like you and me, okay, just like when things start to get a little uncomfortable, things start to get a little messed up, she changes the subject, okay? This is what she says. Sir, you must be a prophet because you know this about me. Well, tell me, prophet, why is it that Jews insist on worshiping in Jerusalem in the only place of worship, while the Samaritans claim to hear on Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshiped? What is she talking about? This is called deflection. Anyone do this? Okay. Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about churches. Okay. Let's talk about this good church and this bad church. Let's talk about how bad they are over there so I don't look as bad. Let's talk about what they believe and how terrible that church is over there on that hill and my hill over here, that's a good hill. So which hill should I be on? Should I be on the bad hill, the good hill, the hill in between? Or should I be in this building? Or this building? Or should it be about the Catholics? At least I'm not like the Catholics or the Baptists or the Presbyterians. 
Oh my gosh, can you imagine? What is she doing? She's deflecting away from herself. Now Jesus realizes he's a pretty smart dude. Um, and this is how he responds. Can we keep going? Believe me, there will come a time when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or Jerusalem. There will become a time where buildings won't matter. Places won't matter. Structures won't matter. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. How many times have you cared more about the building or the location than the one you're worshiping? While the Jews know about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. Let's keep going. But a time is coming, indeed it's already in here, when true worshipers will worship, worship this Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking, searching for those who will worship him in that way. For God is spirit. For those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus is saying, you know what? Buildings are irrelevant. It's about coming to God in truth. You know, in this time when Jesus says worship, he's not talking about songs. He's not talking about raising your hands during our, our singing time and saying, okay, I'm being honest, God. In fact, none of us do that. In fact, none of us, we can totally identify with this woman. I've grown up in church. I know what it's like to come to church and, and expect to be a certain way. In fact, this is usually what happens. We deflect uh, the, the, the uh, focus around us, and we come into church, and people say, um, how you doing? And we perfect the, um, the church face, okay? This is it. I got it down, okay? I've been in church my whole life. I know what the church face is. This, it's right here. <laughs> how you doing, Shane? Good. How's your week? Good. How's your marriage? Okay. <laughs> How's your kids? Okay. <laughs> How's your job? How's your thought life? How's your entertainment choices? Okay. I'm good. I'm good. And you're not good. It's almost like this, okay? This, this is what we do. We walk in to church like this. I'm good. Can't you see the smile? The smile says I'm good. The smile says everything's okay. Don't ask me any other questions because all you'll get is it okay. I'm good. But in reality, you look like a fool. Now what I wanted to do was to give you all the masks and have you look around at each other and think just how foolish we can be. Isn't that what this woman's doing? Deflection, deflection, deflection. See this, see my mask, I'm good, I'm good, I'm okay, when in reality, you're not. And Jesus is saying the exact same thing. Do you hear it? He says, what you need to do is come and be honest. Come to God with honesty and truth and drop the mask. 
If you're broken, be broken. If your marriage is terrible, bring it to him. If your kids have gone, you've raised them the way you wanted to raise them, and they're out doing whatever they want to do. Totally forget everything you've taught them. Bring it to him. Your thought life is terrible. Bring it to him. Bring it to him in honest and in truth. These are the kind of worshipers God is seeking out. God desires. I want people that are going to be real and authentic. In fact, that's your next point. Go ahead and fill it out. Honesty and authenticity are important. These are the worshipers that God is seeking. Well, it doesn't stop there. The story doesn't stop there. She constantly deflects, and she does it again here. Can we go back to the story? Go back one more, one more slide. He said, she said, well, I know that's true. Go back. I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ, this Messiah guy. He's going to come, and uh, when he comes, he's going to explain everything. In other words, I don't have all the answers. And I don't think you do too. So I'm going to wait for this thing for for someone to come and show up and make it all better. So someone's going to come sometime down the road and it's all going to make sense. I know my marriage is falling apart, but it'll work its way out. I know I'm, I'm struggling with pornography, but it'll work its way out. I'm good. I've got this covered. I know my kids are gone, but I'll figure it out. I got it. I'm good. And Jesus says this. And I wish I could be here to see the look on her face because I think for the first time he gets through when he says this. I am the Messiah. Literally, I am here. I am right And then the, then the disciples show up at the most op, misopportune time, right? Then the disciples come back, hey, Jesus, we got McDonald's. <laughs> How you doing? What are you doing talking to a woman? He's talking to a woman. You see that? She's a Samaritan woman. There's a Samaritans, a Samaritans in Samaria. Oh, no, they got through to Jesus. Oh, no, they start talking amongst each other. They don't got the nerve to tell him what he's talking about. Okay? And we don't hear anything else about the woman. I wish I could see that moment. I wish I could get there in that moment and look down in there and see what happens because this is her response. She left her water jar beside the well and ran to the village and told everyone, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Do you, do you, do you see the importance of this? Who, who here runs? Okay. You know, no one back in those days run for fun. They didn't have running stores or running shoes or running shorts. No one slapped on their iPod and went for a run, okay? The only way you run is if something's chasing you or you've got something important to say. She runs. She drops her water jar and books it all the way back to Sychar, Say it all the way, hey, 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 come meet this man, come meet this man. Oh, aren't you the lady who's been divorced five times? Who cares? Come meet this man. Aren't you the one who's living with this dude you're not even married to? I don't worry about it. Aren't you the one that only goes to the well at noon? He's there. Come, come on, come on. 
He could be the one. Do you see the, see the importance of this? All the things you strive to do, all the masks you wear, all the ways you worship him mean nothing if you don't meet him. Meeting him makes all the difference. Meeting him, knowing who he is, knowing the power he has over you makes all the difference. Here's your last point. Here's your last point you can fill out. Your imperfection is a problem. Everyone is, nobody's perfect. And your imperfection is a problem. And it must be dealt with. But Jesus provides a solution. Jesus provided a solution. He is the solution. He is your solution to your imperfection. So we've been talking about this all week, praying for this moment, praying for you. And Glenn and I have been, been chatting about this. Glenn, come on up. And, and um, y- you know, we, we've talked about this a lot, about um, just imperfection and the way it's seen in there. And uh, I know you've got a certain insight into that. I want to give you the opportunity to do well, that. Well, I've been around church longer than he has, okay? <laughs> and uh, we've both been in church all our lives. And we know that there is freedom in forgiveness, right? And there is... restriction and a carnal selfish spirit when we keep the mask on and God can't do the freeing forgiving renewing work he wants to do as long as we pretend and I grew up we're part of a church and a and a denomination that believes in what's called Christian perfection which is not absolute perfection. Christian perfection is God works in me. He saves me from my sins. He sanctifies my spirit as I grow in him so that I love him more. And my heart becomes pure. Isn't that good? Yes. Is that a good idea? A good doctrine? It is. But don't let it ever turn into so I can't ever let anyone know that I've got a problem. I can't even tell God I got a problem because I got to keep it up. You know, I got to keep up the front. And as a young pastor, it started getting to me. I, I, I called uh, my friend Bishop Bastion when I was pastoring in Canada, and I said, you know, it just feels like I'm telling my people to try harder and jump higher. And that's not Christianity. That's self-help. You know, the reason Jesus died on the cross is because I can't help myself, because I can't get better by trying harder and jumping higher. Is that true? I cannot get better by trying harder and jumping higher. It's only what God does in me. And he was so kind. He said to me, well, Glenn, it's because you're missing grace. You think you have to do it. Jesus already did it. It's trusting him what he's already done. And it's admitting that you need him. So as we plan the close of today's service... We want a time of openness before the Lord. And we would love it if anybody here senses God saying to you, it would be good for you to admit to yourself and to our family that you need God, that, that you're not perfect, that you need his help. Because here's what I know. If, if we don't do that, we turn into people who can't do that. We turn into people, you know, it's kind of a bad thing if you go to the altar 
Because you're admitting what a sinner you are. Well, how many of us in here are sinners? <laughs> you don't even have to put up your hands, right? And even if you didn't put up your hand, that just means you're a lost sinner. <laughs> you know, because we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So, uh, we're going to play uh, a song. We're going to have a time of prayer. And we are going to, you can come and kneel. You can come and stand. You can come and sit on the front row if, you, if that helps you. You know, if that would physically be easier for you. And we just want to take some time to pray, okay? Let's all stand. The first service, I, I said, this is for all of us who need God. The first person who came down this aisle, I wasn't even finished giving the invitation, was one of our senior saints, somebody that loves the Lord, you know, passionately. And this just does your pastor's heart good to see. Not about keeping up a front or being afraid of what other people think. And um, as we prayed and gave God time to work, more and more people came. And one of the people who came was a young man who prayed right down there at the end of the altar and gave his life to Jesus for the very first time. And uh, yay God, right? Because there's freedom in understanding that none of us are absolutely perfect. We all need God. So I'm going to invite everyone that the Lord kind of is drawing you. You know, today, this is connecting with you. Pastor Shane's message, the Lord spoke to you. And you're saying, there's something the Lord is saying to you like, that would do you good. That would do you good to admit you need the Lord today. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite you to come. And whoever feels led by God's Spirit to come, I'm not going to judge you or anyone who doesn't. This is between you and the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we humble ourselves before you. The Bible says if we humble ourselves before you, you will lift us up. So I pray you'll do something powerful and eternal right now, right here. That we will come because we need you. Because we're not perfect. And you are. And so we come because we've said things we shouldn't have said. And we've had conflict in our family or with our kids or at work. And we want help, Lord. We need you. And Lord, it's no good pretending that we're better than we are. We need you. So if if the Spirit is drawing you, why don't you come right now and let us pray with you over you. And so, Lord, the discouraged come. We come to you. Those who've got stuff in our background that we're ashamed of, Lord, we come. We come to you. Lord, those of us who need help right now today with something big that we can't handle, we come because we need you. And we come gladly. We come boldly. Not to impress anybody, but not to hide from anybody. We just come right now, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you will change the culture of our church so that it's easy to come. Do it right now. Do it right here. Free us up from from having to look good, to having to impress anyone else. Lord, we need you. 
You are the Messiah. We come to worship you in spirit and in truth. So, Lord, as we close our service, and many of us will need to go, but I pray that anyone who needs to stay and pray, that we will do it, that we won't be in a hurry. Maybe some will just stay where we are, pray where we are. Whatever, Lord, you are saying to us, we are wide open to it, and we are delighted to be your children today. We are delighted to be able to bring our stuff, our wound, our sin, our selfishness, our hurt, to be able to bring it to you and lay it at your feet and receive forgiveness, receive help, receive hope, receive encouragement, Lord. Do it. Again and again and again, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You'd like to come and pray, you can join us here. I'd encourage those who've come to just stay where you are for a minute. Let Pastor Shane and I pray with you and pray over you. The Lord go with us all. Amen.